I'm Steve Judge and I'm an international motivational speaker. Also, I'm a recently an author of my book, Don't Lean On Your Excuses, and I'm also a speaker coach. So, when I was reading your book, I know this sounds like a really... Uh, you're not originally from Sheffield, are you? No. Um, so where is it you're originally from? So I was born in Kings Langley in Hertfordshire. I moved up when I was about nine years old. Okay. Into, and we moved into Bawtree in South Yorkshire. So I spent a lot of my life there. And then in the year 2000, I moved over to Aston. Uh, here. Ah, okay. Uh, Whereabouts in Aston's you live? That's quite uh, interesting. <laughs> Didn't know that one. Just just around there. It's only six months. Just okay. uh, hired a, a Was that enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, just rented a house um, and then we made the plunge to buy a house over in Eckington. Okay. So I lived in, so I've been there since 2001, so about 18 years. So it's a long time. Yeah. So I spent most of my life up in, in Yorkshire, yeah. although Derbyshire I'm officially now in, yeah. but yeah, Northern England. It's nice in Eckington, don't it? I lived in oh, Renishaw yeah. for a while. Oh, did you? Yeah, yes. well, 13 years, I've just moved back to Aston, so <laughs> hopefully oh, right. I'll be here a bit longer than six months. <laughs> oh, whereabouts in Renishaw? On the main road. Okay, um, yes. So yeah. one of the really nice house, like stone-built, um, I always joke with my friends, I live in a stone-built cottage in northeast Derbyshire. <laughs> Renishaw Hall, that's beautiful, well, <laughs> yes, the gardens exactly. must take you ages to cut. <laughs> Well done. I'm not surprised Thank you moved. Thank you. Most kind. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Eckington is nice. It is nice. Yeah. It's great. And also, I didn't realise that when uh, Eckington, digressing again, but me and my son, we went to look for some rope, old rope, went down the industrial estate, knocked on this door, and it happened to be a coal pit. And we didn't know that there were any coal pits around yeah. them. It was only last year. And said, so, oh, do you want to come in? And we, we went around the area. Wow. There's, there's coal everywhere, Where obviously. Well, it's, it's down, it's, it's in the Eckington Industrial Estate, which is yeah. kind of just off from the traffic lights yeah. uh, opposite the church. And we went to the coal face, uh, not the coal face, but the, the top of it, because it's just a, like a quarry down into it. And we were chatting and I said, oh, I used to work down the pit. And they looked at me and they went, yeah, okay, you mean you used to work for the coal industry? I said, no, 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 no. I used to work down the pit. So I, that's a Boart, that's an Imco, that's a Dosco. And they went, how do you know the names of all these? I said, I used to build them. I used to repair oh, wow. them. I used to fix them. So they're like, oh, okay. So I got a bit of respect then. Anyway, <laughs> so we got some rope and that was great. And um, we, we really used it because my son, Robert, wanted to go off to the Jamboree, did some fundraising and he did a promotional video saying that he's from a village with a coal pit in it. Now, the big thing is, is this was the last coal pit in England, right. the last working mine in England, the Southern Wales, wow. the last one in England in Eckington. It's closed down now. It's oh, gone. When did that close? I don't know. We went there about two months ago. Oh. To look at it, because uh, I couldn't take the, the cups down there. You never knew that, isn't it? So strange, but you I don't know. know. And it's gone, and it's all it's all rubble. There's there's no buildings oh. there anymore. I guess the pit has been closed in, and that's it. The last coal pit in England gone. Oh. such a shame. It but yeah, it was in Eckington. But yeah, Eckington's lovely. It's got some oh. old. It's got a lot, lot of history there. Yeah. And Eckington Woods, you know, it's great there. So as a Cub Scout leader, I take the cups in there and. Had loads of fun and we were we were swimming there eckington's got a swimming pool so we're swimming there oh, yeah i had lots of parties there when i was younger oh really yeah swimming parties are oh, my favorite good, yeah. that's and everything well yeah <laughs> and what i love them because i was there with the the, the cub scouts you know doing the, their badges which we're just talking about again the swimmers badge but that's why i used to do the training as, uh, as an elite athlete i used yeah. to go down there every friday after my take my kids swimming i'd go down there and i'd Amazing. be up and down going up and down doing all my training so eckington eckington has got a lot of history just for me yeah with the, my training the hills around there for the cycling yeah. and the running and the woods go and get some some wellness some beautiful uh, walks there isn't there oh, uh, to, myself and my husband have been on a few yeah oh, it's, nice. it's so nice and a lot of people don't know about eckington woods really as much it's not like 
the, the, the paths aren't that well trodden. And I used to do a lot of running there, get to a hill and then do some yoga, yeah. some tai chi, oh, wow. because it used to just take me out. I wouldn't be interrupted. Yeah. And it's uh, like a really special place for me. Yeah. I did notice a picture in your book, actually. Um, I don't think you'll have been doing yoga at this time because it's snowing. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, but so, I did think, oh, wow, that looks amazing. So, uh, yeah, I used to go running in the snow and all sorts. And that is actually my, my hoogar moment. Okay. So hoogar is a Danish word and it doesn't really translate very well. Right. But it means, yeah, yeah, so hoogar. <laughs> like so it. you can ask, this is what I do in my workshops. I say, what, what's your hoogar? And people go, what's a hoogar? I don't Ooh, know what a hoogar is. What's my hoogar? <laughs> so your, your hoogar, I will ask you what your hoogar is. A hoogar is something that gives you uh, that that comfort almost, that really nicety, that, that stuff when you feel in a special place. So some people might say a uh, hot chocolate or being near a fire, or it might be comfort. My my daughter's is when we're in the car and it's raining really hard, we're going down the motorway, she's not driving, I'm driving, and <laughs> she's only 11, <laughs> and, we're, and you can hear the rain beating, and then you go under a bridge and it all goes quiet. Oh, okay, the rain, yeah, that's, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So my hoogar moment is when I wake up and I pull the curtains back and there's snow everywhere and I go, oh, it's like a winter wonderland. But more than that is when I go out and there's silence because the sound is all muffled by the snow. Yeah. And then even more than that is actually going for a run in the snow. Because one, you've got the silence, but two, you, you're making the footprints. And I think that's really special yeah. that nobody else has trodden that ground, you know, that morning, whatever. And so that's one of the reasons why that photo is in my book, because it's my hoogar moment. It's a really special time for me when I just go, oh, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. Um, so what would be your hoogar moment? Do you think? Gosh, I'm just literally thinking as you're talking. Um, I don't know. No. I probably have so many in a way, like just thinking about your daughter with the rain. Like I love that sound on the top of a conservatory or a caravan. Yeah. It takes me back to like sometimes when I was younger in the caravan. Yes. And you'd lay there and you'd just <sighs> listen and... Because you can get lost in that moment, it's yeah. quite nice. So instantly, I probably think of that. I'm sure there's plenty of no, others. No, I think that's a really good I one. Do like that. Another one of mine might be uh, camping, but when it's raining, yeah. it's all nice and cozy there. Snug and, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a strange thing because you've got to get up and get wet at some point. <laughs> yeah. But at that moment, it's it's your hoogar moment. So yeah. maybe that's good. And also, yeah. I think when it takes you back to holidays. Everybody loves holidays, yeah. so maybe that's your your hoogar moment. And it's like as family well. time with like yeah. my brother and stuff like that. So it's you don't really do that much now. No. So no. if at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, I probably I'm gonna think about that a lot though now. You know, each time I'm like, oh, is this my hoogar moment? Hmm. And this is what I do in a workshop. It's it's like an icebreaker because you're going around and people are opening up. And you're right. The first people go, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. What and. But as you go around the room, people go, oh, yeah, I know what mine is. And yeah. I've had bizarre ones. I've had some people say after a long day, they get home and they go, ah, <laughs> 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 and they go, okay, that's kind of like, a, you maybe got issues with that. I don't know too sure. <laughs> but I understand. I get it. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. It's my comfort zone. It's yeah. Just lovely. Do you know what I do like though? And this is not just because you go running. I do try and go running um, and myself and my friend always say that if we go together we always feel like there's a barrier when you're running and <clears throat> it, it might easy, be easy for you but running's not that easy for me but we do run and we'll go and uh, and I feel like it's like you're struggling you're struggling you think okay come on come on and then there's like a barrier and it's like once you ba break through that yeah. barrier yeah. that feeling is I know there's like endorphins and all that but you really can feel the difference I did read that you ran 10 kilometers in 30 something minutes I've, i have got it written down it was 36 42 yeah I like that, and yeah. i was like oh my gosh i think i've done like 
well if I do 5k in less than half an hour <laughs> <laughs> so I was like wow says how do you move at that, that speed so running was my my passion it was my love I loved running I'd run everywhere and everywhere as a kid as a young adult um, I eventually joined Kilimarsh Kestrels. Oh yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. I used to see them running up the hill, you know. With, the bright yellow. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what the hill's called, but that, that big hill from Eckington Crossroads. Oh my goodness, yes. I used to say, oh gosh, yeah. I'm better than you than me, I'll just keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard, you know. Training in the winter with Kilimarsh Kestrels, uh, you had to go where the street lights were, which meant around the streets, yeah. and the streets are hilly. So winter training was really hard, and it was cold and dark. In the summer training with Kilimarsh Kestrels, you generally go around well, the valley a little bit more, which yeah. is flatter, which is nicer. Yeah. So I like that. But um, yeah, running with them, I was always a bit worried about, worried, not sure that's the right word, about going running with the club. Because if you go with the running club, it's all very serious and it's all very strict. And I went to, to run with uh, my brother at his running club down in Welling Garden City. Never been to a running club, ran with them. It was okay. I was a good enough runner to keep up with the pace, although they've got slower ones and faster ones. But what surprised me was at the end, you know, did a bit of warming down. Then they said, right, who's for a pint? I was like, what? A pint? <laughs> no, yeah, we're going for a pint of beer. You joining us? I went, yeah, okay, that sounds great. So I didn't realise they did that. And so when I came back to, to Eckington, went to Killamarsh, I said, you know, let's go for a run. Do you go for a drink afterwards? And they went, always. Yeah, we always go for a drink. I said, ah. ah. So it's more of a social thing then. <laughs> exactly. It's more of a social thing. And you can, and that's what I, I did it. I used it as a social thing. Sometimes I used it and stayed at the back and chatted, and other times I went to the front and, and pushed it to my yeah. max and used the people in front of me to, to try and catch them and beat them and race them, and other times I didn't. And it was just, you know, you pick and choose. And that's why it takes all times to, to go to the running club. And yes, you can go for a drink afterwards, you don't have to, and most of the time I didn't. I just, you know, I wanted to get home. But that's kind of, it tells you the story of what kind of a club it is. So, yeah, I think that's a real insight for me, yeah. joining them. And I love running, so I pushed myself. My PB was thirty six forty two, and that's a really fast time. But when Mental. you think when you think Olympians, <laughs> they do thirty minutes or less for a ten k, and you think, Gosh. "Wow, I'm nowhere near." So my goal was I wanted to beat thirty five minutes by the time I was thirty five years old. That was one of my goals. Um, but then my accident, which happened when I was twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine years old, that kind of put a stop to all of that. Yeah. So I had to... But still did amazing at 36. Yes. 42. <laughs> 36, yeah, so I'm really pleased with that. And yeah. and I think I put it in the book because people that read the book that are runners, they want to know, yeah, you say you're a runner, but what kind of runner are you? A lot of people assess that by what what runs have you done? Do you do, you do marathons or sprints? And what times are you doing? Mm. So if you've done five hours for a marathon, that's different from three hours. Yeah. It tells you very instantly what kind of a runner you are. So by me putting 36.42, for people like you, you go, okay, okay, that's a pretty good runner then, yeah. And that's yeah, good. myself and my friend, we did a 10K the other day, a couple of weeks ago now, um, and yeah, it was kind of like over an hour. We thought we'd done all right, getting 10K in there. And that's fine, and that's the thing. So you can't judge anyone because everybody's different. And so over an hour or sometimes just under an hour for 10K is brilliant for some, yeah. and others it's not. So as long as you set what you want to do, what you want to achieve and work towards that, yeah. then that's fine. Some people just want to get around. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to you know, finish and it minute, in one I think piece. We're a bit like that, as in yeah. we've got out of our rhythm and we're trying to find our rhythm and at least doing 10K. I'm somebody I, I find, despite what I've just said, I find running quite boring mm -hmm. on my own. So um, I am a little bit like, I'll just get round, I'll just get round. Yeah. Um, and that's my 5K and I'm done. 
and yeah. I don't want to run any more than that on my own because I'm like, no, I'm done, done my 5k. But then when I'm with a friend, we can chat and we will chat the entire way around. So um, it is a little bit of a social time because we don't see each other that often. It's yeah. a bit of a catch up. So yes, it's just kind of like, well, at least we've done 10. It's more than I do on my own. It's really good. <laughs> and that's why I love park run on Saturday morning. So I did that this Saturday with the kids. We haven't been for ages and I'm just doing it to get around. I, I ran with them. I'm not going for PBs or anything. Yeah. I'm just, you know, we cycle down there. We run around, we cycle back. It's just to get some exercise and that's fine. Yeah. However, tip, if you are running with someone, and they are better than you, faster than you. Ask them lots of questions. To slow them down. To slow them down. <laughs> because when they're trying to answer and they're trying to breathe at the same time, it's really hard. Uh, so, yeah, top tip. You I'll know. tell my friend that tip because she's got a friend and she goes running with her a lot more. Yeah. And um, she always says that she's got much longer legs than her. She's yeah. much faster than her. So I'll say to her, right, you don't do the talking. Yeah, you just say, so what have you been talk. up to today? And then you just concentrate on your breathing. And they're like going on and on and on about what yeah. they've been doing that day. Yeah. Good plan. Good plan, <laughs> I'll tell her. <laughs> so, just to go back to the book, obviously, um, you've briefly mentioned your accident. Mm -hmm. So, whereabouts exactly in Sheffield was that fork in the... Okay, road? so, yes, I was, it was a Sunday. I was driving home uh, Sunday afternoon. So there was no rush at all. And I suddenly remembered I needed to get some milk. Uh, and I thought I'll go to Crystal Peaks, and so oh, okay. like, I figured it must be somewhere quite local. Yeah, so, so it's the top of Donet Square. Oh, okay. And I came down there, so that's like the fork. I could have gone home yeah. to Eppington or off to Crystal Peaks. I thought I'll just go to Crystal Peaks. And so going down that road, um, that's where the, you know there was water on the road, and there's a, there's a big curve. It's not a sharp yeah. curve, but as I was going around the curve, you know, just aquaplaned and just lost control. Wow. And that was the thing. Um, it's very important that I, I say that I, I wasn't wasn't speeding, I wasn't reckless driving. Like yeah. I said, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was in no rush at all. There's nobody else on the road. There's nobody else in the car. It's just an accident. And yeah. and I say that one because a lot of people might think, oh well, maybe it was your fault. No, it wasn't. But also too, it's very important for me because there's nobody for me to blame. And that's the first thing you want to do when something goes wrong. You want to blame someone. Yeah, fault, if you stub your toe on something, you go, who put that there? <laughs> who put that there? You think, well, there's nobody else in the house, Steve. You put it there. Or, or if you're late, you think, well, that's because the traffic's a bit bad. You should have left earlier. You're always looking for somebody to blame. And the fact that there was nobody for me to blame was a good thing. It helped me to move on. It helped me to take accountability, ownership and responsibility. And they're the key things that you've got to do to, to get over adversity, really, and, and move on with, with things. So that's the first thing. So the, the accident uh, happened. The car skidded. I lost control. That's a horrible feeling when you can't you know, prevent yourself from, from what's going to happen. And I remember clutching onto the steering wheel and just seeing a pole come towards me and knowing that I was going to hit it. I was kind of like on the side. And I just had to brace myself for impact. And... Then shivers down my spine just thinking about as you know get, going that through my through my head again, and then I hit this pole and I just blanked out, and the next thing I know I just woke up with this the the, the car horn just going bee. Oh, when I was reading that, I, I, I literally was thinking, oh my gosh, that would obviously you were going through a lot more than that. Yeah. I thought that would drive me insane, and then you sort of said that a, a guy came over yeah. and. And all you wanted to do was stop that horn. I thought, I can relate. I'm feeling it, just reading the book. I was like, stop the horn. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can somebody turn that horn off? Can you phone an ambulance as well? Yeah, but, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, number one, phone the ambulance. Number two, can you stop the horn, please? And somebody did. And it's not an easy thing. You've got to crawl under the, the car and actually take the wires out. But some well, people I did think that. As I, was, I said to you, I was yeah. talking to my mum about it. And I sort of said... 
I wouldn't even know how to stop the hole. No. My mum straight away, she went, well, you lift the bonnet up and you get underneath and you pull the back. And I was like, how do you know do these you things? <laughs> I was like, wow, so I learned something from your book, even okay, just from talking well, to my mum. Just how to stop a hole. I learned a lot more. <laughs> so, yeah, so they turned that off. Then I was just, I was just waiting. The, the, the good thing is, is that I didn't know exactly what happened. I remember being stuck in the car, reaching down with my hand, trying to work out what was going on in my injuries. And luckily I couldn't work it out because if I'd known how bad my injuries were, um, I would have gone into shock. Yeah, I read that in the book and it said, like, and obviously now when you think about it, I suppose it's obvious, but yeah, I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. So mm. like you obviously knew that so something was well, stopping you from it yeah <laughs> doing first aid within scouting and yeah. also um doing first aid after the accident as well you know in hindsight my body would have gone into shock if it known that my yeah. leg had been partially amputated and just brought my hand up with loads of blood i'd have just gone oh. yeah. it wouldn't have been a good thing no so the fact that i couldn't find out i just went okay and i'm very positive very optimistic i thought well it might be broken which is really bad but okay Thank goodness that's all I thought that was bad. So I, I couldn't get out of the car. And then I think that's where the panic would probably start setting in because you're just stuck there and everybody loves to be independent. I love to be independent. You want to get out of the car and brush yourself down, step away from the accident and go, wow, that was close, but I'm okay. I couldn't do that. It was embarrassing. It was like horrible. And you're just waiting on other people. Uh, that's what happened. Paramedics turned up. And I remember as soon as she turned up, you know, Talking to me through the window was great. She, she probably gave me some, some morphine or some medication, which probably made me feel great. But more than that, I just knew that she was there to help me. And yeah. that was really important to me to know that, you know, somebody's there to, to help me get out of this, this state that I'm in. So she did her thing. Uh, then the police arrived, the ambulance arrived, the fire brigade arrived and, arrived. and to cut a long story short, it took them an hour. So to cut the car apart piece by piece. Yeah, and, I read yeah. that and I did think to myself, oh, well, I just, oh gosh. I just can't, obviously I can't imagine how, how it must have felt, but then mm. knowing everyone's working and you were around yeah. you were for an hour and five minutes is a long time. And yes. you sort of sat there going like, gosh, is it done yet? <laughs> yeah, God, I've got things to do. I'm just going to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So an hour, so you must have some amazing amount of mental strength even if you didn't realize it i guess so i mean i think stuff like mental strength it just it just kicks in yeah. and that so it, it's um it, maybe it's the fight or flight but it's a case of they're here to help me i best just sit here sit here yeah. and, and let them do their thing and they'll yeah. talk to me every step of the way as they cut the car apart and i just have my faith in them but, but more than that when they eventually released me from the car and put me into the ambulance then I was actually moving towards, uh, and I think that was a real pinnacle point for me, being in the ambulance, moving towards the hospital, because I was my, that's where my journey started. Yeah. Uh, I was actually moving towards the hospital where they could help me more, they could make me better, fix me, whatever's going on down there, I still didn't really know, but they were going to fix me and I was going to be all okay again. So that also the, the medication that they probably gave me in the ambulance <laughs> probably helped. Probably helped. Um, I think they'll probably give me lots of morphine. And the fact that, you know, the two guys in it, 
Well, I was just about <laughs> to mention that despite yeah. the seriousness of it, um, I know I did sort of say to you, like, I got my mum to read a few of the, a bit of the book to me. This was a bit that she was reading to me at one bit. And I found myself obviously laughing. Yeah. And, and I thought, gosh, what's so inappropriate, Louisa? I'd be laughing at. But it was because of the way you wrote it as in, like, yeah. Steve, Steve, are you driving, Steve? Are you okay, Steve? You're both going, Steve. Yes, Steve, I'm fine, Steve. Right, Steve. And I, it was that. And because someone was reading it out to me, yeah. so you really should get your book on audio because it's like an emotional roller coaster. Because yeah. one minute you're sort of like, oh my gosh, this is horrendous. Mm. And oh, you're trying to relate, and you can't really. Um, and then it's really funny listening to the Steves. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> so I know it's probably like really inappropriate of me, but, but I did know, find it really funny. What's really interesting is one, it's true. Uh, two, probably did cheer me up a little bit in the ambulance, knowing that Steve and Steve were looking after me. Um, but also as a speaker, now that I tell this story, it's it's pinnacle that you bring in some comedy somehow. After yeah. you've got to do the highs and lows as a speaker. So if you if you brought the audience down, being you know in a really low period, as in I was stuck in the car and I couldn't get out, and they they saved my life. That's really low, and the audience going, oh no, what's going to happen next? The next bit is the funny bit, and you've got to lift them up. Uh, and the other one guy was well, called Steve, the other guy was called Steve, and they said, Steve, are you okay, Steve? I'm good, Steve. Right, Steve, we're going to go very fast, Steve, very safely, Steve. Is that okay, Steve? That's good, Steve. Right, Steve, let's go, Steve. And that's how it happened. And it's really funny. And and, and it breaks the audience because the audience yeah. are allowed to laugh. And that's what you've got to do. And then you're back on a level playing yeah. field. Then you get to the hospital. Then you've got to bring them down again. And then you got to bring them up again. And you so, you know, did that, yeah. I was sort of like, oh my gosh, it's horrendous. And then, like, ha oh, ha ha, I really should be laughing. But um, yeah, I suppose, as well, just when you sort of how you describe it as a fork in the road, um, have you ever seen that film Sliding Doors? Yes. Um, yeah. I always relate to that film in a lot of things in life of like, if you'd have just gone this way or that way, or you, you know, mm. at different times, how your life could be different. Yeah. And I suppose that's one of those moments isn't it if you've yeah. just gone Checkington I guess something might have still happened it's life I do believe in that kind of mm. thing but it's just yeah I could I really could relate that situation to life in in general in many ways that if you do one thing yes something can happen it is absolutely it was a, a fork in the road in it was I can remember making the decision I need some milk it was Sunday where would sell milk a lot of the shops would be closed but Crystal Peaks won't so I'll go there and that was a fork in my in my road, yeah. I guess. And I haven't you know made that into a big thing uh, in the book, but it, it, it could have been. Yeah, yeah. You know. it's definitely something, whether it's because I really like the film Sliding Doors, I know it's like back in the 90s. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do relate a lot of things. I, it just took me back to thinking like that. And I thought, mm. wow, it just shows how many points in life yes. could take you one way or another way. Yeah, you just don't know what those things are. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think that's why one of my... One of my messages is about grabbing opportunities. Yeah. I think every opportunity that you come across is one of those forks in your road, in your journey. Definitely. And it's about seeing those opportunities and then doing something with them. Because if you don't, then you're consciously making a decision to not go down that, that, that road. Um, and you don't know what's down there. And you, you don't know unless you go down there. So, yeah, you've got to, you've got to make a decision sometimes. It's not easy. You can't. Can you can you grab every single opportunity? I don't know. It might lead you astray. <laughs> but is that a bad thing or a good thing? Well, that's up to you. Exactly. You never know where it might lead. Do you? No, and I think so... that's why it's also very important to know what your vision is. So that if you if you know what your vision is and where you're going, then the opportunities will present themselves on the way, and you can decide whether that opportunity is actually going to take you to your vision. It might be something different. It might you know take you on a, a side road. But if you're really focused on that thing up there, that vision, that mission 
then maybe you should stay on the road that you're you're taking. Yeah. It's, everybody's different. I do think that, um, <clears throat> I know it's a bit cuckoo, but I do think that life has a tendency to, it's a law of attraction and things like that, mm. isn't it? That if you're, like, you've got your vision and your focus, sometimes life does throw a curveball, but it could actually lead you closer yes. to your vision, but you don't see it at that moment. Absolutely, yeah, that as well. So I'm, I, I quite like situations like that when you're sort of like, oh, okay. And I, I often get told how lucky I am. Yeah. People don't see how hard you work, they just see how lucky you are. Don't they? Yes. But <laughs> I just think, no, I am a, a, an opportunity grabber. I'll try it. They don't all work out, but people don't see those bits that don't work out. Yeah. You don't make a big thing of it. You know, I don't, I don't use the word try now um, because you either do it or you don't. Yeah. You've got to make that decision. Yeah. So that's really important to me uh, so that you can see. But also, I've stopped saying good. I stopped saying good luck. I was going to say I've tried to stop saying good luck, but no, I'm I'm not saying good luck to people because I don't think that's fair. Because mm. I think some people put a lot of time and effort into things, and for you to say oh good luck, yeah. I think it diminishes diminishes everything that they've just put into it. Even my daughter, who's revised for an exam, I say oh good luck. Yeah. You think what's well, got nothing to do with luck? She's just been revising for yeah, like months for this hard. exam. Yeah. It's nothing to do with luck. I say I, say, I wish you all the best. That's it's it's harder to say because it takes longer. It's easier to say good luck, but it's I don't think it's fair. So I wish you the best, you know, or be the best that you can be. Yeah. Uh, something along. I haven't quite come up with a phrase yet, but I am stopping saying good luck to people. I want to take that. Mm. I don't mind because I like that. Cause I think um, some people. I think in life, things do come a little bit easier too. I think so, yeah. I think I have to work hard at everything that I do. Like, I'm a bit of an average Joe, which is not a bad thing. I'm kind of good at a lot of things, but I'm not really a master of anything, I don't think. But I can get by and I get through every situation, but I do have to work hard at it. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, thanks. So I think, yeah, that's a good thing, actually, because, you know, sometimes it's not luck and we're all working hard. Um, just think, just some things are just naturally easier to some other people. Like yeah. running might be easier for you than me, for example. Well, you say I'm that. Blinking hard at that. <laughs> with, with two disabled legs. Okay. Yeah, right, running's win. pretty hard. So, <laughs> so I'm running on Saturday with the kids, and then I'm running on Sunday, and it was raining, and my my son was training for rugby, so I was running around the the rugby fields, and it was it was boggy and muddy, and I was tired, and I had aches, and the endorphins weren't kicking in. It was hard. It was really hard. But what was really strange was. I did that and I looked at my watch and I kept going for another 10 minutes. I did 40 minutes running all together. I was really proud of myself. I oh. came into the rugby club and I went to, just to, to, to wash my hands. And in the corridor was a wheelchair. Oh, and okay. it was the exact same wheelchair that I'd been given from the NHS um, back in 2002. And wow. I was like, well, and I took a selfie with me in this wheelchair. Oh, okay. I'll do a blog about it or something. Because <laughs> I couldn't I believe it. it. Because this wheelchair was there and I thought, my goodness. You know, what's that? 17 years ago, that's what I was sitting in. And that's when I was told that I may never walk again. Yeah. And I was just stuck in a wheelchair for about a year and a half. And I did everything possible through my rehabilitation, through my physio, to get myself out of that wheelchair. And look at me now. I've just been for one. It was really hard. I did, did I enjoy it? I don't know. It was tough. But I did it. And I was really, you know, pat myself on the yeah, back, really definitely. proud that I did it. And I'm not saying it was a message for or anything like that. Oh, I think it's like a reminder of, as you can it tell, is. I like it. It's like a reminder yeah. of that's where you were looking yeah. now. So running doesn't come easy for me. 
if I go for a run, I have to consciously think, are you ready for this? Yeah. Because you're yeah, going to be, I have said that, you, you're I gonna be in pain, that. Steve, afterwards, and you're going to be in pain tomorrow and possibly the next mm. day. And I'll go, yeah, but I really want to run. I, I want to run because I can run. Yeah. I can run. Running was taken away from me for seven and a half years. And that's really hard. Something that I love doing, yeah. something I was passionate about, taken away. I got it back. I got it back to my hard work, my persistence. And now I've got it. So I do it when I can. Uh, sometimes I can't do it because I'm in too much pain, but that's why I swim, that's why I cycle. But when I can do it, I will yeah. do it. Uh, and and I love it. Yeah. And I, I do get the endorphins. But yeah, a little reminder. I love that, yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have said it to you, but I suppose that's also a point of, it's amazing how other people can see that it looks easy to everybody else. Absolutely. And maybe they're just working as hard you, as you, you if never, not harder. Yeah, you, you're you right. never know. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. And whether that's sport or whether that's academics or even love, you know, yeah. you, you look at a, a couple, couple and you think, they're so happy married. Yeah. With a perfect family, the house and the kid getting divorced. Oh, <laughs> didn't see that coming. Yeah. You just don't know. Or in business. Oh, you're thriving your business. I see you on, yeah. on social media. You're, you what? You 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 know you're closing down. <laughs> wow, I didn't see that coming. You just don't know. Yeah, and I think true. in this world that we live in, we we don't share what's going on in our lives a lot. We we paint this facade by social media, by being optimistic and positive, and I'm very I'm I'm guilty of that as well because we want to look as though we're doing well. Um, it's when you're not doing well. Well, who do you tell? Yeah. Who do you, who do you share that with? And that's why this big thing about mental health. Because a lot of people aren't sharing what's yeah. going on. They're not sharing when they're struggling. They're not sharing about what you know what things are happening in their life, and they're just pushing on through it. And they're they're closing it down and digging it deep down inside themselves, and that's not good. And then yeah. it just erupts, and they make themselves ill, or they make other people ill. And you know you need to share more. It's getting a bit deep. This really. Yeah, I know. I know. We're on that roller coaster again, aren't we? We're yes. laughing. We're not laughing. <laughs> but it's so true. And and writing my book. Um, I had to bring out a lot of things that I'd buried deep. Yeah. A lot of things, whether that's to do with my my accident, whether to do with my training schedule, or whether that's to do with my my wife and my marriage yeah. that, that was breaking down, or even my work. You know, things weren't going well at work. I'd buried a lot of those really deep down. And to write the book, I had to dig down. I had to open them up. I had to experience them again. And then I had to, and I was in tears. And I had to then write about it. Because I wanted the book to be very real to life. I wanted it to be everything, warts and all. So there were times I was on my keyboard with tears rolling down my cheek, typing about what I was you know, really sad about. And that was really hard. Is it good therapy? I guess it was. Um, but, you know, I did, wasn't doing it for the therapy. I was doing it to get it out there. Um, because I want people to know what I live through. Because, again, yeah. when I speak for 45 minutes, it's kind of like, yeah, I had an accident, grew his leg back. Then he started running again, became a world champion. Wow, that was lucky. And all of this, you think, no, 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 no. There was so, so much, much so much more. Yeah. You know, you read the bit about getting a straight leg and I could not get a straight leg. And that, that brought me down to depression. I yeah, I know. I have sort of like, I have comments about your book a lot on, on my little notes. And we are generally just talking about it anyway. Mm. But um, I have sort of mentioned a bit like I could um, like feel you like from the book, the sadness and the desperation um how you spoke to the surgeon um and when they're sort of saying to you that you might not walk again and before you went in for your operation and yeah like i can't imagine someone's saying that to you and then they're like putting you under and then that's the last you've heard yeah and you don't know until you wake up as to no okay what happened then yeah <laughs> as in like oh my gosh what do I, what is it and it's really horrible and i think how i cope with it was 
a little bit of ignorance. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm very positive, very optimistic, but I'm also quite ignorant with certain stuff, which is great. That can get you through things. So when they say you you may never walk again, I hear that you may. Oh, so that means yeah. I, I might walk again. Uh-huh. You've got to hang on to that. Yeah, I'll <laughs> hang on to that little bit, that, that word that you just said. I'm going to hang on to that. And it's the same with a lot of things. Um, and you can you can get through life like that and that can that can thrive and you can push yourself forward with that. But if you put your head in the clouds all the time, sometimes you, you don't see the wood for the trees. And I, I found that the other day. So I've got a business coach. And he was co- he's coaching me, and the big thing, uh, lots of things that he does. And so I'm with um, with Mark Thackeray from Action Coach, and he, oh, okay, yeah. he yeah he gives me loads of bit of these tools that I can use. The big thing that I struggle on is finances because I'm not very good on finances, and I hate finances. Yeah, like, I'm boring and everything. <laughs> However, once I get into it, I'm kind of a bit oh, this is quite interesting. Uh, so I've got an Excel spreadsheet now, and I've got a graph so I can see what's going on. So I did it last week, and I was like, oh my, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm like spending more than I'm earning at this in this year. <laughs> thinking that that's oh, let me recalculate that. So I recalculated <laughs> it, and it brought me down because I've had my head in the clouds. I'm working really hard, but I'm investing a lot in my business. It's yeah. only my third year, so I'm still investing in the book. I'm investing in a website. I'm investing in lots of new logos and business. I'm investing, so I'm st- I'm still just about spending more than I'm earning at the moment. I've got a very busy couple of months where things will shoot up, which is great. Thank goodness. But it brought me uh, into realisation, into reality. And I didn't like it. It yeah. was absolutely horrible. And I thought, I wish I'd been ignorant. I wish I hadn't done the finances and the graph. I wish I'd just like buried my head in the sand. And I thought, no, Steve, no, because that's not what businesses do. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I'm running a business which is going to be a proper business, one that's sustainable. This isn't something I'm going to do for three or four years and then move on to something else. I love what I do. I love being an international speaker. How do I make this sustainable? How do I make this concrete? You have to open your eyes. You have to see everything that's going on and you have to admit it to yourself and then work with it. So I could see this graph. I thought, I've got to do something about that. The last week, I've done so much on lead generation. I sent out 24 emails to past clients and I've had already about two or three um, emails back because I was saying, I'd love to send you my book. I've just done my my book. And these are clients I haven't spoken for, for a couple of years. Uh, I'd love to send you a copy of my book. And they said, well, Steve, not spoken to you for a while. Nice to know things are going well. Would love to have a copy of your book. And we must chat sometime because we've got some work coming up. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> it's all lead generation. Yeah. Now, I've been meaning to do that for ages. But sometimes so you need something. this graph is giving you a kick up the bum. Exactly. To basically go, yes. right, what can I do yes. to yeah. bring the money in? <laughs> and then, and then I've mentioned in my book, it's one of my phrases. It's a very simple phrase. When you've got a goal and you know what you need to do, you ask yourself, what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? And yesterday I thought, I need to send those emails, don't I? Yes, Steve, you need to send those emails now. That thing of asking, (laughs) uh, again, asking yourself the right question, isn't it? Is it, why is this always happening to me? Why is it so wrong? If you're sort of like, how can I do it? What can I do to change it? Then your brain will cut, will give you an answer. What the hell do I need to do to get more work? (laughs) Oh my goodness. And and it's, yeah, and I, I do a lot of that. I talk to myself. And I used to think that was a little bit crazy. And it was really nice. I think I mentioned, oh, in, the book... <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned in the book that I was doing uh, as an elite athlete. I did this questionnaire and they were talking about, you know, training methods and stuff. And one of the questions was, do you talk to yourself? And I was like, um, <laughs> if I answer yes, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, will I still be in the team if I go yes? So I said, like, yes, I do actually talk to myself. I went, okay. I said, is that good? And they went, yeah, that's good. I went, yes. 
Yes, it is good Scored. to talk to yourself. Yeah, it's good to talk to yourself. Positive and negative. Yeah. Give yourself a pat on the back when you've done something good. If you're not doing something good, have a word with yourself. Yeah. Don't use the word try. You know, what's all this? Like, I like Come on, let's, this. Yeah. No trying and no wishing good luck. Yeah, so. well, that's for me. Yeah? No, I, like different. It. I think it's good. Is it, yeah. Maybe you can take something from it, even if it's not. Absolutely, yeah. It's you know you either do something or you don't do something. If you say I'm going to try to turn up on time, what what does that mean? Does that mean you're do you you're going to be late? I'm going to try. I just think that's not happening. Then yes. I've learned that when yeah. people say the word, I'll try and make it. They've no, yeah. I've been proven one, wrong once. Yeah, yeah. but I would say ninety five percent of the time they're not coming. Yeah. <laughs> if they if say you, try. Yeah, you're coming out tonight. Oh, I'm I'm gonna try I'll and make try, it. Mate, oh, okay. Yeah, you're not <laughs> See you later then. I love the saying from your dad, like be the best you can be. Mm. I just thought, what a I know it's such a simple thing, but what a good saying. So yeah. whatever you're doing, just like you've said earlier, be the best you can at it. So yeah. wish you the best. It kind of like I liked how you can your book, you're obviously very inspired by your dad as well yeah. as some of the things that he says so yeah can you expand a little bit on how you felt at that time um so yes so my dad um had cancer for seven years and fought it for seven years and i think that's really valuable um i i think if i take myself back and this is probably when i was writing my book again i did my ignorance thing i put my yeah. head in the clouds and like la 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 he'd be fine yeah and he was and he had cancer and he fought it yeah oh then it came back again and he fought it and i'm like well, i'll just keep on fighting it won't it after seven years you know i remember you know my mum and dad having a word with me and saying it's not he's not gonna make it this time i was like oh, what do you mean of course he is he's gonna fight yeah, it he's it, gonna it's get like it again. he doesn't compute in your brain yeah does it? it's like la, 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 of course he's no gonna... that's not working so going through to to see him when he was in, lying in bed and him just, you know, his last words to me, you know, were, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and uh, always be the best that you can be. Um, those those stuck with me because it, it, it means so much when somebody says things like that. It doesn't say you've got to win or, or anything. It doesn't, it makes it very generic. Yeah. It's, it's got to be the best you can be. And to use that and how I've used that and enhanced it so much is that I still have a goal. I still have a goal. So if we're talking about being an elite athlete, I have a goal. I had a goal of uh, wanting the gold medal. I wanted to be the world champion. That was my goal. That's what got me out of bed every single morning and late at night and training hard and pushing it through the, the comfort zone and everything was that gold medal being the best, you know, being the best that I could be to get that gold medal. What more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do to be the best I can be? All of that and everything else. You do that leading up to the event, the judgment day. Now, I'm going to relate this to something like an exam because I've talked to schools a lot about them revising. You've got to revise. You want to get the A star or whatever it is. That's your goal. That's what you should work towards. Now, when you get to judgment day, the exam or the race, when you're on the start line, that's when you're going to go, whatever will be, will be, as long as I'm the best that I can be. So to tell you a very quick story, I used to do this visualisation where I'd visualise the whole race from start to finish, putting my goggles on, getting into the water, feeling the temperature of the water, hearing the horn, setting off in the swim, not getting punched or kicked. The, the whole point of the visualisation is very positive. Everything works. Uh, so I, the, my goggles don't leak. I get out of the water. I'm winning. I get into the bike. I don't get a puncture. The, the chain doesn't come off. And I can feel the wind going through my hair. It's all very positive. I get off the bike and I wreck the bike and I'm on the run. And I don't fall over on the run. I don't get you know, beaten on the run. I push on the run and I feel the wind. And I'm really pushing it. And I cross the finish line to grab that gold medal. So that was my visualisation. That would take me about 20 minutes. Great detail. Closed eyes. Open my eyes. Go, wow. 
That's awesome. I want to do the race. Okay, where's my medal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's my medal? Where's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. And I go to the start line. I go, yeah. And people go, are you okay, Steve? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm all pumped. I've just done the race and I won. I want to do it again. And they're like, okay, Steve, he's lost it a little bit. I said, no, no, no I, want to, I want to do it again. Now, I did it in uh, New Zealand. And the, the problem was, was when I, when I crossed the finish line in my visualisation, uh, the gold medal wasn't there because of the Italian. The Italian was there. Oh, and yes. potentially he could have grabbed the gold medal. And I thought, well, that's just making me nervous. Mm. So I looked at my watch and thought, right, I've got an hour till race. I'm going to do that all again. So I did it all again with the swim and the bike and the run and everything being positive and everything being great. And I crossed the finish line just knowing that I'd been completely best that I could be. And my, I was completely spent. I was, I was almost sick. I was out of breath and my lungs were hurting in my visualisation. And that's all I wanted to do. Do nothing wrong, be the best that I could be and be exhausted on the line. Those are the three things that I needed to do. I thought, okay. And I opened my eyes. I was like smiling. Like, yeah, let's go and do that. Let's go and get exhausted. Let's go and get spent. <laughs> let's go and push it. Let's do everything right. And the result was the result. And I went and did that. And I, I got the gold medal. And I won in New Zealand. Now, to, to if we're not going to do spoilers or anything, but you know, we went to, when I went to World Championships in, in England, in London in 2013, I did the whole thing. I got the silver medal. Was I, did I have any regrets? No. Because on that day, I couldn't have gone any faster. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's about the training. I couldn't have trained any harder. Yeah. My nutrition was perfect. My mindset, my visualisation, my, my yoga, my injury prevention, my equipment, everything. I'd done the how, what more can I do? Everything was perfect. On the day, the swim, the bike, the run, the transition, everything was perfect. I couldn't have gone any faster. The result was the result. And I got beaten on that, on that day by 30 seconds by the Italian. I remember seeing you, obviously, um, speaking before mm. or hearing you. And when you said that sort of scenario, I remember sitting in my chair thinking, no, no, mm. no. And then, but I left that day thinking, do you know what? I could, I, not relate, but I just thought it resonated with me a little bit. Because I thought, yeah. that's your problem, Louisa. If you don't come out on top all the time, yeah. you don't think you've, succeeded or been a success but sometimes when you don't get that job interview or you don't get whatever if you think well I honestly couldn't have done any better I gave everything that's it there is kind of a feeling of harmony or something yeah. like you know you're like okay well I'm, I'm okay with it yeah. so I suppose like you said you couldn't have done any more it was fine you still got a silver which is amazing yeah, yes. <laughs> so actually you know and um and what it did make me think of was I didn't realize until um, I got home that I was t talking to my husband about it and I didn't realise at the time that we watched that uh, and I remember thinking oh, like, really? yeah and I, and sort of like both myself and Andy were a bit really disappointed for you yeah. that you got the silver mm. and I thought how funny is that that we were so disappointed for you yeah. actually you weren't disappointed at all no, you no. were elated on top of the yeah. world almost <laughs> but... it's, it's very difficult because it does sound like a contradiction you're going for the gold you only get the silver and some people say oh silver's the first loser okay that's no, a mindset thing yeah. that's a horrible mindset to be honest you definitely go for the gold you go for getting that job interview you go with passing that exam you go for that thing that you really want and the main thing is you're, you're the best that you can be now if you come away let, let's yeah. do this different scenario if you come away going i didn't win i didn't get it because of this that and the other yeah. i hadn't done enough research hadn't done enough revision hadn't done enough training then you're an idiot. You're, you're muppets. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you've got to take responsibility, ownership. You've got to, you know, yeah. you've got to take action. You've got to do all that stuff before. Now, 
if you if you could see that you're going to struggle three months before, great. You can, you've got three months to do something about yeah. it. I used to stand at the start line. I used to overhear people as we're like shaking hands, just about to do the swim, going, oh, I wish I'd done more swimming training. And I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> You've got to be joking. I'm here with no regrets. I know that I couldn't have done any more. On the line, on the start line, I couldn't have done any more. Bring it on. And I think you've got to be that at the job interview. Bring it on. I've done my research. I know exactly what I'm going to say. How I'm going to answer every question on the exam, everything. Bring it on. If you're not at that stage, you're not at that bring it on stage, you're an idiot. You yeah. should be at that stage. You need to have done more about it. We've only got 24 hours in the day. Get that, okay? So what are you going to do with those 24 hours? So that when you're on that start line, you've got no regrets. And when you finish, when you get the result, whatever the result is, you go, no regrets. I couldn't have done any more. Yeah. I've been the best that I could be, just like my dad said. Yeah. So, yeah. It did really kind of stick with me, that, because I just thought, isn't it funny how we were sat at home thinking, oh... Um, and then actually, you know, so the reality of it is so different, you yeah. know. And it, yeah, I, I kind of, it's same because we don't always get everything that we sort of think that we want. No. But at the same time, I think we've got what what maybe we needed, you yeah, know, at to, the time. To bring it into present day, my book, I spent so much time and money and emotion uh, doing my book. The, ne the last thing, the last thing I needed to do was to market the hell out of it. And I wanted to be Amazon number one bestseller. So I did everything. Now, I didn't have a budget. Uh, I'm not leaning on excuses. I literally didn't have a budget. So I did as much as I could on social media. I did so many videos. I did everything my book coach told me to. I realized that I needed to do more videos, Facebook live videos. Oh, they're nerve wracking. But I did Facebook live videos <laughs> because I thought, <laughs> no regrets. Come on, let's do everything. I blitzed it. It became number one bestseller in the, in the pre-releases. But when it actually came out onto the onto the shelves of Amazon, it didn't make it, and I'm like, I couldn't have done any more. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, um, and I'm happy with that. Now, if I'd been going around going, damn, I should have done some Facebook lives or more video, I couldn't have said that because I did that, so I've got no regrets. And the book is amazing. I know it's, it's a success anyway, so <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking like, how can you remember everything in such detail? Oh, um, okay. You know, like you were sort of like, and like you said, you've taken yourself completely back. Yeah. And, and almost got those emotions raw again. Yes. So that you can write about uh, it. Yeah. And my book coach said, be careful. Like a word of warning. <laughs> be careful if you take yourself into this dark place because it will bring you down. That's yeah. that's what your brain does. It will take you back into that, that scenario. When you're, you know, going into depression, when you're potentially, you know, phoning the Samaritans up, all of those dark places you're going to have to go back to. So when you've finished writing for that day, make yourself into present day. Remind yourself where you are, that you are fit and healthy, yeah. that you have got two kids and that you've got you know, an amazing house and you've got a job. Something positive. Okay, bring yourself out of it. It's really important. Otherwise, you'll just carry on feeling low about yourself. Yeah. And it, it was hard. And it's, it's lovely that you mentioned the detail because I... I rummaged through the loft and I had diaries of the first like two or three years. I had um, all my race notes that I'd made and I loved that I found these race notes. So this is, what more can I do? Knowing, I think it's called something like uh, to, to know your enemy. And I used to know uh, the other competitors in my group. I'd find out, I'd get the starting list and there'd be like 10 people and I'd be like, right, internet. So I'd find a picture of them because I'm a visual person. So I'd get a picture of them. Then I'd find out what races they've done. Then I'd find out what times they've done. And I'd write it all down. So they're good on the swim. Not so good on the bike, but very good on the <laughs> run. Right, okay. And then I'd score them. Next person, picture. Da, da, da. I like and, I, and I've got these wow. notes. And you think, 
bit over the top, isn't it, Steve? We're talking about becoming a world champion here. You've got to be yeah. the best you can be and, exactly. and whatever you have to do. And I would sit there and I'd think, well, what's making me nervous? Well, I, I don't know who my competitors are. Well, let's go and find out who they yeah. are. And I'm not saying like stalking them or anything like that. I don't think you're allowed <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. that. But I would do as much as I could to find out everything about them. As soon as I found out about them, oh, I felt so much more relaxed. I felt, right, I can... That's not a problem. He's not a problem. He's not a problem. He's a, he is a problem. So I'm going to watch him on the bike. Not a problem. We're going to watch that on the run. And fear is when you don't have control. Um, so when you don't know what's going on, that's when you've got fear. So I knew what was going on. And, you know, that was really important to me. So I found all of those notes as well on my race numbers. This is eventually, you know, especially when I was a teenager, I'd have my race number. And on the back of them, I'd write how the race had gone. So I'd write down all my uh, my mile times and then say, I'd read it, it's like, it was a good race, especially the third mile, really pushed it on the last mile, excellent PB, well done, Steve. I'd like, congratulate yourself. So. <laughs> no, it's love great. It. So I was reading this for like, about 30 years ago, I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> awesome. I know. And it's really like sending myself messages from, from my past. Um, and even in my training notes, I love things, comments like uh, the row machine. Uh, it'd be like, Great start, really pushed it, blitzed at the end, beat that Steve. I like it's it, like challenging a, yourself. Challenging myself. Yeah. And so the next time I got on the row machine, I'd read it and go, oh, all right, I will. Jump. Yeah, talk to myself <laughs> again. It's not a bad thing. It's got to be done. It's yeah. got to be done. So I guess this is all leading to the, uh, I really liked your inner tiger. Tell oh. us about your inner tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so the inner tiger, I don't know where it came from, really. Um, it, it probably started in, in New Zealand. But I think that everybody's got this, this thing inside them. It doesn't have to be an animal, but it's like a fire that you stoke. Uh, and it's just burning away. I guess it's probably your heart or whatever. But sometimes if you if you, you know, put oxygen on it or more fuel in it, you can get it enraged and get it really burning and bright and, and really push it. Mine is my tiger. So mine, is, but it's not only that, it's a white tiger. Now, so it's the white tiger because the white's got purity. Yeah. But also it's ferocious and it's got power. So that's it. So let me just read it. Wise in his experience and that of others, heart and soul full of passion, competitiveness and power, ingenious as he prowls and plans before he pounces, terrifyingly courageous from compulsions if not caged, energy resourceful as sleep is to recharge, tenaciously driven towards goals, intelligent as he absorbs and adapts from others, generous as his kind heart helps and supports, eloquent in his pure colours of magnificence, resourceful in the dedication of time and energy. So it just wow, makes it's quite really, moving yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, so that reminds me of, of all the, the aspects of it. It's very much about controlling your tiger. So when I, when I set off on the run, for example, you just want to release your tiger and it to pounce along and it won't last, it will burn out. 5K, you've got to, con you, you've got to cage it, you contain it. Now while it's contained, you know, during your training, that's when you're doing the education. You're absorbing all the information. You're watching, see what other people, what are they doing in transition? Do I want to do that? I'm going to try that in my training sessions and see if that works. So it's becoming intellectual. As an engineer, you have to be ingenious. So I was using, you know, engineering thoughts and coming over, becoming a, getting a problem and finding a solution. Uh, that might be through transition or training or how do I get faster? Always asking myself what more I can do. Uh, then you've got the power as well. And it contains power and it is ferocious. So I told somebody, and it was my business coach, I said, well, the thing is, I'm not really competitive. And he yeah. just laughed at me. 
He says, yes, you are, Steve. I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not really in business. He says, yes, you are, Steve. You are competitive. And I can turn it on and off. I can contain my tiger if I want to. Yeah. If I'm just having a kick around with the football, the kids, I'm not I'm not competitive. If they say, right, we've got five minutes, let's see who can score the most goals. I'm like, right, right, bring it on. And I, I, I almost flick a switch. So it's like that with training or was like that as, as an elite athlete. Going back to my business, my I've been opened with my business coach that so I've talked to other speakers and they're they're really successful and they're earning loads of money and they've got you know sustainability and I'm almost jealous of them and that drives me forward. I think, well, I don't understand. You know, I'm just as good a speaker as them. Why aren't I getting the same money as they are? And my business coach says, you're competitive. And I go, okay, yeah, maybe I'm a little yeah. bit. But it's not a bad thing because then I say, right, what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do to be getting as paid as, as much as they are as a speaker uh, instead of what I'm getting. So it's about then taking that on board, using all of that information and, and pushing yourself forward. Yes, being ferocious. Uh, that This mainly comes into sport. I don't think it really comes into business because uh, I'm a nice guy. But in, in the ferociousness, <laughs> it's, it's not hating people, but releasing that tiger. It's like banging those door, those cage doors open and saying to your tiger, go for it, go, just just clear the way, let's go, go, go. And I, I think did that's that. definitely in business, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I'm just saying be... it, I think I can yeah. relate to that. I have yeah. to like, release myself, get let myself go and be ferocious because otherwise in business people do tend to walk all over you and because you, you are that, a bit yeah. of a sky, yeah. I just think I'm a nice girl. Uh, <laughs> so I think, well, you know, if you're too nice in business, people kind of don't take you seriously a little yeah. bit. So, so yeah, you have to be ferocious. I think, I think a good example is... Um, you might get a post on LinkedIn where somebody says, I'm looking for a speaker. Anybody got any suggestions? And everybody goes, oh, Fred Bloggs and Joe Bloggs and Fred Smith. And somebody says, Steve Judge. You go, oh, 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 I'm in the money. That's me. So, <laughs> so we've got a competition on, have we? Right, so we've got 20 people here. Somebody's mentioned my name. How do I get, how do I beat all of those people? Then message everybody else. Go, Can you just go on LinkedIn yeah. and just put my name on? So just you start to, thinking. Yeah. You release the cage doors. You think, well, first of all, I'll connect with the person that's asking. Then I'll send them a nice message. Maybe send them a photo. Photos are always good on social media. In fact, then I'll do a video. I'll do a special video just for that person. You're thinking about what yeah. you, more you can do. Is that being ferocious? I don't know. Ruthless? I don't know. But you're, you're thinking about, I want to win this. I want to get that gig. Yeah. I want to beat all those other 20 people that have been suggested. And I want to get that gig. Definitely. So it is about throwing the cage doors open and saying to your tiger, go, 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 go. Go for it. You can do it. <laughs> and so, so it does relate to, to, to sport and I think it does relate to business and maybe everything. You know, with the book, you know, what what can I do to become number one bestseller? How can I be ferocious on that? Facebook Live doesn't sound very ferocious, but it's definitely out of my comfort zone. Oh, it is. It's not so my okay. favourite thing. No, so that was my thing. I flew the doors open and said, I will do some Facebook Lives. And I did three of them and I did all the videos and everything. So, yes, it's... It's, it's how you interpret it, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But yes, my white my white tiger. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. Um, also, look oh, on... Sorry. Going back on that, yeah. maybe I should think about what yours is. Yeah, I, I have been thinking about it. and uh, yeah. Not that I want to copy, but I always say that I am a bit of... I have got cats, I've got Bengal tigers. Uh, obviously, uh, domestic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they are a bit crazy, and I often do relate myself to them. Okay. So I'm not saying that's my inner, because I also think I'm a little bit of a monkey at times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm relating it to animals again, but yeah. I always say I am a little bit of a cat. So, yeah, it did get me thinking. I'm not quite sure yet on that one. I yeah. flip between a... I I think it's nice. Not everybody's into stuff like that. But have you read um, uh, The Chimp Paradox? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, I listened to it. Okay, that's the same thing. And yeah. I know a lot of people, 
I don't not like it, and yeah. I could totally relate because I do think that it's that voice in it. Yes. And, and, and I always call it the angel and the devil myself. But, yes. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, I always feel sense. like I'm a bit like, um, or good and bad Louisa. Not that I'm bad. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that a couple of times, though. To be honest, I'm just thinking. <laughs> so I think, bad well, or naughty? I'm just... Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I actually say you have got a naughty side to you. I read in the book, so <laughs> it kind of amused me a little bit. So that's actually we've just skipped a question, but we'll go back to it. But yeah, I did actually put you've got a naughty side, I know, I so that did amuse me a little bit. So yeah. maybe it's good and bad, Steve too. Or good and naughty Steve was saying, maybe I shouldn't say but good and bad. That's Rebellious good sometimes as well. Um, but I, I justify it by I, I assess it. I, I feel that I'm intelligent enough. And if the sign says, you know, do not climb over the fence, I'd be like, why not? Why not? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm looking over the fence. Yeah. It looks fine to me. I've done my own risk assessment. Yeah. I've got common sense. Yeah. I'm going to climb over that fence. See what happens. Yeah, because I, I want to. Uh, and so that's that's one example, but I think there's there's other examples yeah. as well where I've just been a little bit oh, I'll be okay, and I, I like that it's a little bit cheeky, a little bit naughty, yeah. a little bit rebellious. That's what my inner monkey is. I think I'm a bit cheeky at times, so yeah. I think it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, and I think that's probably how you've got where you are as well because <laughs> if you wasn't naughty you'd play it safe all the time and you'd be like oh well uh, the doctor says don't do that so I won't do that whereas you didn't yeah. want to do what they said did you like no, no I'm gonna make sure I get this like <laughs> I, I want to do this quicker and you know I want to my my leg I want it to be longer the 10 millimeters and yeah. that's later on but and stuff so you were like no determined to make it Yes, okay. being stubborn and being rebellious, I think it all blends in. Yeah. Um, as long as we don't go through lots of my rebellious stories. No, uh, I'd call it determination. I've, I've moved on and said, like, you know, it is determination, I would say. So we could talk about the book all the time. So, but we've it, got. I think it was hard because I used to. I worked in health and safety and construction. So I was, you've got to be straight down the line. You can't bend the rules there. You've got to yeah. stick to the rules. They're there for a reason. So my rebellious side is kind of thinking sometimes, well, that's a bit it's over the rule. top, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Jeez, crikey. But the you know, the, the legislation says you've got to stick to that. So I literally had to turn it on and off. Um, and I think the thing is, is if I understand, so it's a big question of why. If you tell me why I've got to do that, then okay, I'll listen. Yeah. So if the, if the sign of the fence doesn't explain why you're not allowed to pass that fence, if it says, you know, the ground might fall away and you might fall in the sea, I'll go, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I can't see that, so I'll take your word for it, Mr. Sign. But the thing is, if it doesn't say that, you're like, well, you're not giving me enough information. So if somebody says, oi, yeah. don't do that, you're like, why? Well, yeah. Why shouldn't I do that? And I think you, it's about spending the time. So there's another one I do, one of my messages, is I don't say no to my kids. And I don't say no to uh, the Cub Scouts or anything like that. Right. I explain why. Okay. So it's difficult. It takes practice. So it's, let's blow it up. If they say, can I have some ice cream just before bedtime? It's very easy as a parent to say, no, don't be silly. But you say, I don't think that's a really good idea because you're just about to go to bed and you've got to clean teeth and it's not really good as you know, sugary and stuff like that. You explain why. It takes a long time to explain why, but I never say no. But it might be a quicker um, result in the end because then... Absolutely. And I'm a bit like that. If somebody says to me, you know why you do that, don't you? Or you know why you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that's, what I'm, that's why I talk about the cat because I always think curiosity killed the cat. Oh, I kind of think I'm a little okay. bit like that. I'm curious of things. Yes. So it's sort of like I need more information before I settle on a decision. Yeah. Um, so if you say no, I'll be curious until I've got a reason why Good. the no is there. Yeah. So that's kind of where my cat comes in. But then I often watch my cats and think, there's no wonder curiosity can cat. <laughs> you know, stop doing that. And they have nine lives. You, you haven't got that many. No. So, yeah. Although I do, again, I relate to being a cat, not to go into me. But yeah, 
I've been quite accident prone in my time, um, and I always think, oh, gosh, I've only got three lives left, I think. Three? What have you got to? <laughs> oh, I got knocked down quite a few times when I was younger. Okay. You know, so, wow. yeah, I think it's given my heart attack numerous times. You know, one was by a, a double decker bus in Pond Street, you know? So, um, you know. Wow. But, I like a superwoman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I can come out the other side. So yeah, I do joke saying I am. I've okay. got a few lives. So, but that's another topic altogether. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, I did read that you are quite into chakras. Obviously, you've mentioned yoga already. Uh, I do uh, Reiki. I don't okay. know if you've heard. Of it. I've so, heard of Reiki. Yeah. So that's often working on your chakras and stuff. So I just thought, oh, I could relate to that. So reading your book, I thought, oh, I like that. I like people who are into into themselves kind of thing if that yes. makes sense because too many people focus on like the surroundings and sometimes if we could just work out what's going on mm-hmm. inside and reiki is all about realigning your chakras so if yeah. something's wrong or you're grieving your heart chakra knows a bit cooked to some people but can be slightly out of alignment mm. so you come for a reiki treatment and the idea behind it is you realign your heart chakra so you create an inner calm yeah a little bit like yoga it's all yeah. about your inner calm and yeah. peace of mind so I guess that's been quite a crucial and yes. I've sort of briefly touched on it anyway. I know and I will, I will carry on with the briefness because I don't fully understand it. I haven't fully looked into it, but I like it how I know a little bit about it because I, I believe that it's a little bit about everything. My mum always says, you know, it's a bit about everything. Um, if you're feeling ill, it's probably a little bit of everything, you know, a bit of stress and a bit of diet. And, a bit, and it's true in my eyes. Um, I think it's very much about understanding the person who you are and even the god inside yourself and then this is called a temple for a reason because there's a god inside yourself that lines up with the chakras but it's not just about if you've just got all your chakras in line you need more than that you need your health you need your fitness absolutely you need flexibility you need to think about what you're eating your nutrition is about taking time out then you're talking about wellness and your mental health as well so we've already mentioned about five six things yeah um and then there's more than that as well it's about education it's about communication it's about you know talking to other people it's about so many things and it's very hard to do everything and i think as an elite athlete or even now i concentrate on a lot of them and i think that's really important and i would love to concentrate on more um so i feel good about myself but I feel that I'm running at full efficiency. I think if you're f- running at full efficiency, then you can do more. So um, sleep, sleep is a massive one that people abuse. Absolutely. People abuse their sleep. Yeah. And I'm reading a, a, an amazing book at the moment called Sleep Smarter. And I think if you get your sleep right, that's a really good start for the, for the day. And that's all, I won't go into detail, but it's very much about getting the perfect sleep. It's not always about how much time you have, but if you have the perfect sleep, full darkness, no caffeine after midday, um, no blue screen before bed, uh, all of these things, eating at the right time, you'll have a really good deep sleep. You'll wake up feeling buzzing. And that's what I get, the feeling that I get. Once you do that, what do you do after that? So I have a, a morning routine, uh, which I'll just go through very briefly. It's um, I, I go through to my, my office, as we we're talking about, uh, where I sit down and I read a book, a self-development book, because yeah. I think that's very important for me to, to, to develop myself. Whether that's a suggestion from my action coach, Mark Thackeray, or whether it's uh, something that uh, somebody suggested to me. I do that for a little bit, then I get down on the floor, I do some exercises, some stretches, and some exercises like press-ups, chin-ups, um, sit-ups. Then I go over to uh, my, my cabinet and I sit on the floor in the butterfly pro- pose and I do some visualisations. So it's mainly just one visualisation of what I want to achieve that amazing thing, that vision, that dream of what I really want. Uh, and I'll be open, my vision at the moment is very much about me being on the big stage. 
uh, with a, a big audience in front, big lights, uh, and you know, entertaining them, getting them inspired and motivated, coming off the stage, having a, a table where I do book signings, and it's all really amazing. So that's my visualization. And so it's very much about how can I get to that? And that's the next bit. So I open my eyes, I go, wow, that was awesome. I really want that. I really want to, to, to be on the, the big stage uh, because it's a, it's a way of helping people. Uh, so then I go back over to my chair, sit down there, and I read out words of affirmation to myself. So this is a list of words that I have, and it sounds a bit um, a bit over the top, a bit big-headed of, of me, but if, if you don't give words of affirmation to yourself, then who is going to give them Absolutely. to you? So it's words, it's things like, Steve, you will not lean on your excuses. Steve, you, you do turn your excuses into challenges. Steve, you are ingenious. Steve, you've got this. Steve, you are positive. You can do this. You won't give in. And all of these positive things, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm great. So you're feeling all pumped. Then I grab my book and I write down five things. Just five things that will take me towards that visualisation, that, that thing that I've just done. And I write them down. And it's not about emails or phone calls. It's the bigger things, really. And that's the end of my morning session. And that takes me to about half past six. That gives me half an hour before the kids wake up for me to, to blitz it and do a few things, put my, my ducks in a row. Yeah. Because once the kids wake up, the house gets turned upside down and, you know, <laughs> yeah, kicking and screaming and everything. But once they go off to school, then I can go back to my desk and see those five things that I've got to do. And that will focus me for that day, taking to me, me towards my vision, that thing that I really want. And yes, the phone will ring and the email will ping and everything. But if I can get those five things done, that's what I really want. And that drives me forward and that gives me endorphin release. And, and let me just carry on. But at the end of the day, it's all about being the best that you can be. I always ask myself, so Steve, head's just about to hit the pillow. How's it gone today? Did you do those five things? And I'm like, well, I did three of them, but there were two that I didn't. Okay, fair enough. Why not? And one was, oh, because I got sucked into social media and I got taken away with that. Okay. And why the other thing? Uh, because I was playing with my kids too much. Okay, that's not a bad thing. So don't watch social media too much. Play with your kids. Uh, you know, all the best for tomorrow. And so again, it's talking to myself and, and then perfect sleep. And the, the next day is the same scenario again. So it is being in line with my chakras, talking yeah. to myself, listening to myself, feeling, you know, how I am. The stretches are important to me, the yoga pose, the visualisation and the health and fitness as well. It's a bit it of everything. It is everything compound, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just, yeah, because you can go for as many Reiki treatments as you like and do yoga to your heart's content. It's not. No, you go. It's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It won't happen. feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it is. You've got to do a bit of everything. Yeah. I often speak to people and people are so focused on the external factors like the nails, the hair, which are all lovely. Don't get me wrong. I think it's it's necessary. As we talked, it's a bit of everything. Yeah. You would both be seeing Harry, yeah. yes, our stylist. Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. When, when I'm on the stage, I want to look good. Yeah. I don't want to think about what I'm wearing. I just want to wear it. I've got busy, I'm a busy person. I've got things to do. Exactly. Okay. Harry has told me what I look good in. Yeah. Great, move on. So that's a one less stress to worry Absolutely. about. I can constantly. So I had my things. pink jacket today, but then I was uh, a little bit warm, so I had to take it off. Perfect. <laughs> good. I was like, damn, I love my pink jacket. It always, uh, you know, makes me. It's the colour. I like it. You yeah. know, I know it, it suits me. Um, I feel good in it, and good. it is one of those. It's amazing how some of those external factors 
do affect you they internally do. Yes. as well, don't they? As well as so, skin, and making sure that you're looking good, skin yeah, care. Definitely, all, it all plays its part. Yeah. So yeah, we've <laughs> got to do all the bits we can. So just sort of going back to the book a little bit, I know you have sort of spoken about your marriage did break down, but mm -hmm. obviously just talk about where the pictures of you at your wedding yeah. and the way that you had to have your mum. Your mum's um, amazing, isn't she? Yeah, like, how she resilient is. and resourceful are mums sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Like taking you to get your, your suit trousers oh, my like, goodness, yes. widened and yeah. um, and stuff. So like, it it just seemed like a really emotional mm. day or I can imagine it was really, it felt emotional reading it. Yeah. So I can imagine it was really emotional at the time. It was, um, yeah. If you're happy to talk about it. Yeah, I just absolutely. thought it was just, yeah, just your mum, really. I just thought she just was incredible, like, getting you ready for that day and then yeah. just being able to stand, kind of stand at the... Well, yeah, well, my goal was very much was to stand at the altar. Yeah. That's what I wanted. That was my goal. That's what I was driven towards. And suddenly standing was really difficult for me, uh, almost impossible. But that's what I that's what pushed me. And I had to use a zimmer frame to stand up and I'd always cheat by using my arms and then I'd have to release my arms and stand on my legs and put the weight through my legs. And I was doing it as much as I could, no regrets. But the wedding day was was approaching and I, I suddenly realised that I wasn't going to be able to stand at the altar. Yeah. Um, how I was going to, you know, because you've got to stand there for five, ten minutes. So I had to come up with another another idea. It's kind of like in a plan B. And so that's why we came up with this idea of a shooting stick. Yeah. yeah with a stick, which has got a seat on the top of it. So we practised and I got another best man. So I had two best men. And I would stand at the altar and then they would pass me the shooting stick and I'd shove it up my bum <laughs> and sit on it. And that was it. But also I wanted to look, I wanted to look smart. Yeah. You know, I'd been, been in hospital. I'd been, I'd lost a lot of weight. I wasn't feeling particularly good about myself. But that day I wanted to feel good about myself. So yeah. with this big metal cage on my leg, how we were going to hide that. And we, we tried to find some trousers, nothing there. And th I think the metal cages are probably more common now. So there's, there's more people that might be able to help you. But anyway, my mum took me to a tailor and we got these special trousers made, which were very big, so they could fit around <laughs> the metal cage, but also they had a Velcro strap all the way down. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned in the book, a bit yeah. like a stripper's trousers. <laughs> Not that I know what a stripper's trousers is, but this yeah, is what yeah. I've heard, yeah. You know, my other days. She said I was a rebellious. So, so they had a Velcro strap all the way down and I, and I looked smart. So I was in the wheelchair and on the day, you know, it all came in to, to practice and I turned up there looking smart and we, we got into the church and everybody, because a lot of people hadn't seen me since the accident, it was only probably three months. Some people had, but not everybody. So for them to see me in a wheelchair was a shock, um, asking how I was and everything. And then they went into the church and then I came into the church in the wheelchair um, down to the front, which is quite emotional. You know, anybody who, because who, I'm quite tall, you know, six foot one, so to be in a wheelchair, to, for them to see that was quite hard-hitting. Um, then the ceremony started. My fiancé came down the aisle. And, and then, then came my moment to do the standing thing. So using the Zimmer frame, I stood up, uh, held on, and then got the, the shooting stick, shoved that up my bum. <laughs> and the thing is, you can't really see the, the, the stick. So just looked from everybody else's point of view. They could see me stand at the front of the church and stay stood at the front of the church. And not only that, they, they said that they could even see the light coming down from one of the church windows yeah, shining down on me. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, the whole thing must have just been incredible for everyone to watch and for you, yeah. obviously. And very emotional for yeah. me to stay there and do my wedding vows. Um, 
to, to do to achieve my goal to stand at the altar that's what I really wanted to do it was an exhausting day um, and when I look at the photos it's things like um, seeing me sat down in the wooden in the wedding photos on, on a park bench and everybody around us and uh, not the wheelchair we've got the wheelchair under the photos but also we did somewhere I was stood on the shooting stick uh, so again from the front it looks like I'm just stood up yeah. and I go yeah but I'm not I'm I'm looking really short. I'm not that small. That's not me. So it's a lovely photo, but it still reminds but me of I wasn't. Yeah, who I was really. But I suppose it's all about those goals again, isn't it? And at mm. least you did. Yes. Do what you set out to do, and it was a, a massive step in. Yeah. Obviously, a very very long. Yeah. Journey. Oh my goodness. Um, and just sort of uh, talking about the stretching of the leg. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just I just. I don't know, I just thought, in my head, I was because obviously you say it in millimetres, but in my head I was like, how big is that? Yes. And I was like, oh my... Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I had to twist, so it's my responsibility, again, yeah. it's saying your responsibility on the board, when they said, this is the cage, um, and once the bone had healed, uh, even though my leg was four inches shorter, so the bone had healed, I went in for another operation where they, they broke the bone in the good place, uh, when I woke up from that operation, they said, okay, now it's over to you, Steve. You've got to stretch your leg out bit by bit by moving this ratchet um, four times a day. So it would yeah. be 0.25 of a millimetre a, a, a twist. So I said, okay, so I'm going to twist this four times. So you do one in the morning and then you do run around 11 o'clock and then you might go for sleep and you do one at three o'clock and then you go, well, how many times have I done it now? Have I done it three or four? Have I got to do, I've got to do four. Uh, you do one more. The one thing you don't want to do is do it too much. Overdo it, yeah. Very tempting because you want to get this damn cage off. I, could wait, I, mean, I, could, I, I sort of read that and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd be that person that was just like, look at me, I've stretched it so far. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do that, the calcium vein, I'm not getting technical, the, the, you know, the, the string of, of calcium inside yeah. would, would snap. It's like stretching an elastic band. If you do it too quickly and too far, it's just going to snap and then the bone won't heal. Yeah. If you do it too slow, well, it's just going to take ages. Uh, so I definitely wasn't going to do it too slow, but I was tempted to do it too quickly. But I stuck to what I was told. So much as I'm rebellious, and that point... You knew when you had to do as you were told. <laughs> because they explained why. They said, yeah. if you do it too fast, do it too slow. So I, said, I hear you. Right, this is my leg now. I'm and not going to do it wrong. you don't want to make it take longer by having to... If yeah. you make a mess because you've done it too fast, and then you have to go through it all again, or, or whatever they might have to do. I didn't do. want to do anything wrong. No. So, I yeah, I listened that. to what they said. I understood why. I wasn't rebellious or cheeky or anything like that. I just did exactly what I was told. Um, what I did do, what was cheeky, um, was um, as I was stretching the cage out, the, the bolt... The, the bars in it were getting too short, so I'd need new bars. So I'd have to go drive all the way into hospital, ask for new bars, and they'd then put them in, do the nuts, tighten it. So there's lots of queuing and waiting around for them to do quite a simple job. Yeah. What I saw as an engineer, I was watching them thinking, well, Just give I, me can the do, pole, I can do it. I can do this, <laughs> you know, you're wasting your time. I'm wasting my time a lot. So I said, can I just take some of the bars home and just extend it? And they went, yeah, okay. If, if you're okay doing that, so I'm fine. And that was the rebellious bit. They said it was okay, but at home, you know, you're taking these bars out yeah. and your your leg in the cage is literally being held by one or two bars. Yeah. If you sneezed, you know, and it just went skew whiff, it would not be a good result. Um, but it kind of, for me, it was exciting my life was very boring at that stage. I was stuck at home just doing rehabilitation. I think sometimes you need that adrenaline 
endorphin release to do something exciting and also the achievement of what you're doing doing it as well so like finally can do something you're like yeah look at me absolutely i did that i own my own leg i'm independent i think that that drove me a lot through my rehabilitation was independence i needed to be independent i was sick and tired of people helping me and i know they had to and i know sometimes i needed the help but i didn't want people to hold the door open for me anymore i didn't want people to even offer to carry my bag i've got this i can do this myself don't push my wheelchair I can do that. I can do this myself. I can do my cage myself. I can do my bandages myself. I want to be independent. And I think that drove me forward. I don't understand people that don't want that. They're quite happy for people to, to, to wait on them hand and foot. Yeah. I guess that's what makes us different. Obviously, we've spoken quite a lot about a lot of things. Um, one thing I did obviously notice on social media recently that you went to Jersey with your scouts. Uh, yes, I did. Um, I lived in Jersey for quite a while and okay. it as a really special place with mm. me. So I thought, I've got to talk to you about Jersey. Okay. Especially because of that you went into wildfire as well. Oh, and right. uh, what do you think to the steak there? Oh, it was amazing. It was really, really good. Yeah. yeah, it was at the end of the day. So, you know, had a few drinks, had the food. Uh, the bill was quite big, I must admit. Jersey's not cheap, is it? No. Thank goodness I still know people there. I know. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think that, I think that is the, the biggest Get bill I've drinks. ever yeah. paid. There's only two of us. Um, but was, uh, I went with my girlfriend, so was, uh, we use it as an anniversary celebration as well. Oh, brilliant. So um, I went over there on a speaking gig. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of work for scouts, and I really enjoy that, giving something back. We've mentioned scouts already about me getting the badges and how it's formed my life with yeah. goal setting and working towards them. I'm now a Cub Scout leader, so giving back in that sense. It's my charity that I give to. Um, but I also do talks for the scouts because yes. it can inspire them and because of the story. What's interesting is is me giving... Um, means that I receive and sometimes quite a lot of the time I receive some great opportunities and some gigs to go and speak and one of them happened to be in Jersey um, they couldn't afford to pay me but they could afford to pay for my expenses and so, that's probably more yeah. anyway because Jersey's yeah. not a cheat did you stay in the Royal Yacht as well uh, no we didn't no where did you stay like that uh, beachcombers so oh, okay yeah, yeah just up the road yeah but it was really nice and we stayed on there for a couple of days uh, as a holiday yeah. so we made the most of it and it, it's nice to say because it's almost an international game we spent the three days asking everybody is jersey part of the uk is it part of britain <laughs> Oh, it's I more know, exactly. than that, but so it's no, definitely, it's definitely not, not part of the UK. It's not England. No, it's its own island. It's the it's, Channel Islands. It's, it's, it's its own island. Independent island. They have their own rules, which are a bit crazy. Okay. There are some crazy rules. But it is part of Britain, maybe. Um. And this is where it gets confusing. Yeah, I'd say it's part of Britain. I don't know if some of the... We're I'm going to ask a few of my Jersey friends. Yeah. They'll be like, well, maybe we are when we want to be. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, it was lovely going out of the UK. I'd class it as international because you can buy... I don't smoke. But you can buy like uh, uh, cigarettes and alcohol, duty free. That's what yeah. I'm going. Why do I bring cigarettes? Anyway, buy duty free, and you, there's uh, less limits than there is. It's not part of the EU, okay. so, so that definitely means it's not. But no, it's great. We had a great time. Lovely. We went cycling. We um, we got some pearls. Went to one and of those Jersey pearl shops. Yeah, Josie Pearl. And there's also a, a pride march as well. So we got involved uh, yeah, in that. Yeah, I saw that you'd done that. Yeah. yeah, and we just yeah because again the scouts were part of that uh, about uh, 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 equality within scouts. Yeah. So I work. I used to work for the scout media team for three years. Okay. And that was amazing. That was just before I became a international speaker, and working for the media team is all about getting the messages across. 
And the 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 the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the best the best question that we could get asked in scouts was who can join, who can join scouting because he said anybody and everybody whether you're gay straight male female old young black white everybody disabled everybody everybody can join and not every club has got that and we used to love that so for scouts to be part of Pride is really opening those doors to yeah. say hello we're here if you want to join. You know, a lot of people don't or didn't understand that women can join or girls can join scouting. And they go, oh, when did that happen? 25 years ago. <laughs> 25 years ago, we opened the doors. Yeah. So it's about getting that awareness out. And that's what we, we did as the media team was, if people don't, don't know that, that's our fault. Yeah. We need to shout louder. We need to get more promotion out, more marketing out, so that people know that anybody can join. Yeah. So... Just... so um... I guess we kind of we could talk for England. I think we could. We could but, carry um, on going. I do just want to feel like we should finish on the fact that you are actually a champion of the world. I am. Yes, a world champion. I know. I like saying that. <laughs> world champion two times. In fact, three times world champion. Uh, and yeah, champion of the world. Yeah, I love that. Nice champion of the world. <laughs> so I think that's what uh, what we should finish on. But you have totally inspired me. Um, when I did see you at the EBA. Uh, um, when you were doing a speaking event I do remember the room was sat you had the room completely silent yes and when you played that video at the end yeah I could literally okay. well up now because it's like you're watching it and you're sort of going oh my gosh oh my gosh and obviously for some people in the room like Rother Valley mm -hmm. uh, I yeah. know that area and I do I have run around there yeah. um a few times well, many times but so you can sort of almost see the position like the place where you are yeah and then when you fall and then you're sort of like I'm like mm. oh my gosh but then you're a champion of the world so it's kind of all right now it's so incredible. to speak yeah it is it was like everybody Thank was you. sort of like moved yeah completely. and you saw me probably about a year and a half ago um and all I can say is one um it's got better since then so my stage performance uh with the highs and lows and the entertainment and the interaction is better than it was and it was amazing then. <laughs> so <laughs> the video is new and improved is so it? that's actually even better so you get more people like, crying <laughs> potentially and three i'm gonna go back to the eba are you? I'm going to be speaking Yay. there again in November, so you're going to get so to see excited. it all again. Leeds and Sheffield. Don't I'm let going me to be miss there. that one. Not that I miss any, but don't no, let me miss that one. It's going to be absolutely awesome, and I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to going there. There's going to be a lot of people there that haven't heard me speak before. Yeah, there's a so lot I of new members. My, and... Oh, I'm going to do. I've just realised I'm going to do a, an exercise in it. So much I'm doing my my keynote. I'm blending in uh, an exercise that one of the tools that I did um, that helped me to achieve in my rehabilitation. In, as an elite athlete and now my business this is yeah. the tool that's helped me to achieve this is something i'm going to share on the day you're going to take part in it oh, then it's going to be back to me like of I've course got, like, a little <laughs> yeah, i know it's, it's like yeah. it's, not, it's not been announced yet um although we don't know when this is going to go out so it might be announced anyway it's still fresh um and then uh i'm also going to take my books so if you want your book signed, I will gladly sign it and, and, and a selfie as well. Amazing. Also, if you want to buy a book there, I'm going to take a load of books with me so you can buy it, get yeah. it signed. So yeah, all singing, all dancing. Well, I will be November. telling everyone to buy the book. So yes, great. Definitely. Um, so yes, don't lean on your excuses. Yes, Absolutely. a world champion's courageous story. 
that inspires living with no regrets. And absolutely it does. So um, I was going to say what's something that you want to leave us on, but maybe mm. that is it. Or... It is. I think I also want to mention that I'm going to be president of the Yorkshire Speakers Association. Wow. This is something that I'm really... President. I know. <laughs> well, I'm a president. President judge. You, absolutely. I know. What kind That's of a, a statement is that? It's crazy. Like it. So this is in January and why am I doing it? So it's not paid or anything like that. It's giving something back. I've got so much from the PSA, Professional Speakers Association. Um, I've got so much from the, the techniques, the skills, the people, the help, the support. I'm going to give something back. It's my opportunity to give something back next year, January onwards. I've got to find some amazing speakers. I've got loads already. But more than that, what else can I do within that meeting? So we hold the meeting once a month on a Saturday up in Leeds. And it's about giving back to them so that they can become speakers. It's not an easy profession being a speaker. It's really difficult, to be honest. And a lot of people want to do it, feel that they have this urge, this need. So how can I help them fulfill it? One, get good at speaking. Okay, it's more than that. How do you find the gigs? How do you find the gigs that pay money? All of this. So if I can give them something that will help them towards their journey completion, that's what I want to do. And that's what I will do in January onwards. So I'm putting a lot of work and effort into it. Uh, but it's it's nerve-wracking a little bit um, because it's kind of a bit out of my comfort zone that I'm talking to some amazing big speakers, um, but they're going to be coming to the, the to the meetings. But also there's a lot of excitement. I'm really excited I about doing it. I feel the excitement from I know, it's, it's going to be really good. So that starts in January. I think the first one is, is Saturday, January the 25th, up in Leeds. Uh, but there's going to be one every single month. So really looking forward to that. Uh, I can relate to, um, yes, speaking is not the easiest uh, no. thing. Um, I often, if I ever have to do anything, I think I've decided, I don't know if you've ever seen Bridget Jones. Yes. Yeah. I think I've decided that I am Bridget Jones for Sit uh, Up Britain. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not the best speaker. Uh, well, I can help you with that. There yes, you go. I think You're I might need your help. As a That's what I was thinking. I thought maybe yeah. this could be good for me because I like to. I get these opportunities to talk, but I sometimes, I mean, it's always entertaining, don't get me wrong, from everybody else's point of view. Yeah. And I just think, oh, Louisa, you are Bridget Jones for Sit Up Britain. <laughs> That's what's going through my head. But it's amusing. I like to make people think, laugh. But this is so. the point about having the, the PSA is I want as many people to come along as possible. Cause so it's for anybody who is just interested in speaking. Absolutely. And, and, and this is what somebody asked me. They said, oh, I was thinking about going, but I don't know if they'd let me in. And I was like, what, what do you mean? There's no locked door. There's no bouncers on the door. Anybody can go. So you have to pay, I think it's like £18 to go for the meeting. But you get two amazing speakers. You get one uh, speaker that's just starting off doing a showcase. We give them feedback. Uh, but it's, it's more than that. It's being in a, a room full of other speakers. Being in a room of people that get paid for speaking. You, you look at them and think, wow, it, it does exist. It's not a myth. You know, you are actually getting paid to, just to speak. That's all you do. So that really gives you some inspiration. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk to a lot of my friends that have said, shown some interest in speaking or some skill or some, you know, something that they want to pursue in. Come on down. Why not just come down in January yeah, and see how it goes? Yeah. I really want to fill the room. And if they like it, they can come again in February. And then if they won't like it even more, they can even join. That's where I started. 2016, I, I, I went down there and I didn't know whether I was going to like it or not. And they said to me, Steve. Uh, would love you to join and if you join you can enter the competition speaker factor Ooh. and I went did and you just like, say a competition I mean. <laughs> <laughs> count me in what's the competition and I didn't know what it was the competition way out my comfort zone but that launched me as a speaker that, that thing called speaker factor launched me it's only a five minute talk 
but I got all the way through to the to the final and that. And like I said, different story altogether. Yeah, I want to give that opportunity yeah. to other people that, that that think they're good speakers because I thought I was good. Well, I don't think I'm good, but I okay. can improve. I can definitely improve. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's room for, and that's a big thing is taking on the feedback. Because I thought I was good, and then when you get feedback from speakers saying, mm, you need to be a little bit better, and they give you loads, I'm a very good speaker now. I'm an excellent speaker yeah. now, but I didn't know that when well, I first went. you were 18 went. months ago, so yeah, can't there wait you go. to see you again. Yeah. So, I know I keep saying we're finishing, but yes. just one last one thing. thing. Music okay. plays a massive part in your life, doesn't <gasps> yes, it? Yes, massive. So, the whole way through your book, is a the journey is a different song for yeah. every chapter. Oh, I had to cut so many... <laughs> I had to cut so many songs out. They said, you can only, you've got like 180. You can only yeah. put 50 in. I was like, what? I like it. So I had to cut it down. I always say it depends what mood I'm in. But yes. yours is currently, it's a beautiful day. Ah, uh, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. It's still a beautiful day. Is it still, how are you feeling? I, I think I, I use that. changed a little bit? I think it's changed now. Um, there's a, a, an amazing song um, from The Phantoms. I'm smiling as I'm thinking about it because the words are awesome. It's called... Um, um, uh, what's it called? Good as gold. Good oh, as gold. Okay. So it's being. It's talking I don't about. Know this one. No, nobody knows it. It's called. I'm like, gonna it's Google like it. it. I'm gonna Google <laughs> it's it. It's awesome. It's called the Phantoms. Good as gold. Um, and it's all about going for your gold, which is what I talk about. You know, when you hear that song, you think, oh, "This it's is me. me. This is me." They wrote the song about me. <laughs> so this is my. <laughs> this is my song. It's not only talking about going for your gold, but it's also saying, "I'm gonna get it because I know I'm gonna get it and I deserve it." And I might be a little bit rebellious to get it, but I'm gonna get it. I'm like, "Oh, this is what I do." And it's lovely. It's upbeat. It's uplifting. That's my song at the moment, but there's so many other songs out there and I have so many playlists all the time. Music is a big part of my life. Uh, different, different music for different emotions. Yeah. Writing this book, I had some very soft, relaxing music so I could focus. No words at all. And I had a massive playlist for that. But yeah, now I'm get up and go. What do I need to, to motivate myself? Because when I'm not motivated, that's when I need the music most. Yeah. When I just press the play or press the play and off it goes. And I'm like, it just changes Ugh. you. It's so empowering. Ah, it just yeah, and it lifts me up. And I go, oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to do it now. So, yes, um, that's the song at the moment. Fab. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I need to think of my song. Yeah, so. your song, your inner thing. Yeah. Um, what, what phrases you might use? My hoo Your hoo Don't use the word uh, no or, or try. I try. No yeah. try. No, don't try. You either do it or you don't. You can also say in past tense, I tried to do that. But don't say in the future, I'm going I'm to definitely try and do that. It's like somebody said to me, Steve. You're speaking today. I'm going to try and listen to you. I'll be like, you're either what? listening or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to try and listen to me. Thanks. But so uh, no, they're going to listen, and it's going to be amazing. Like and you'll see it in November. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Um, okay. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and now I'm feeling totally inspired. <laughs>